0: So this is the Change Management Podcast by the University of South Wales. My name is Mark Jackson, director of South Wales Business School and co-director of the Intensive Learning Academy for leading digital transformation. In season four, we're exploring the concept of digital transformation, how it can apply to organizations and how it works in practice. We discuss how digital transformation can help any organization become an agile one. In this episode, we'll discuss what digital transformation in healthcare really means and explore the differences between leadership and change challenges. Welcome to our guest, Bob Hudson, who's previously interim chair at Digital Health and Care Wales and now visiting professor and co director of the Intensive Learning Academy at the University of South Wales. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So for context, Bob, I think it would be useful for our listeners and particularly our international audience if you could perhaps give us a quick overview of health and social care in Wales and how your role as interim
1: chair supports that. Yes, the health system in Wales serves a population of about three million people and operates through a devolved model within the UK. So Welsh government has pretty much full responsibility for what happens across health and social care. Healthcare in the main is delivered through, we have seven what we call health boards and territorial health boards, integrated organisations, so there's no separation between payer and provider, and they provide care for their geographical patches across Wales. And social care is run through our local authority structures in Wales, and there's 22 of those. So we have some complexity around organisational boundaries, particularly when it comes to the integration of care. And then also we have a number of specialist organisations who provide particular services. So in this context, the organisation I chaired last year, Digital Health and Care Wales, is one of those which takes on a leadership role in the, in the area of digital and technology. So in that context then, what does digital transformation mean to you? I think for me, I suppose very simply, it's about how we use both technology and data to improve services and deliver better outcomes for citizens. I think a lot of healthcare systems across the world use the phrase, we talk about the quadruple aim, it sounds a bit grandiose, but what we mean by that are, I suppose, four key priorities. One is about improving health and wellbeing outcomes, the experience of users who use our services, and delivering value for money. Uh, And the fourth element of that is about staff experience, and particularly timely, I think, given that staff burnout is probably one of the biggest factors facing healthcare at this moment in time. So it allows us to, I think, radically alter service design. If you think about it very simply, the way modern health services tend to look, certainly in the UK, in terms of the sort of physical shape of our services, GP surgeries, outpatient departments in hospitals, have been about a simple thing, putting a patient, set of case notes, and a clinician in the same place at the same time. And technology is changing all that. It's breaking those links, enabling us to deliver services pretty much anywhere, and as a consequence, changing the nature of sort of service delivery.
0: Yeah, there's a real kind of context of this unprecedented time of challenge that we've been through and hopefully come to the end of at a time of very significant change. So in terms of your,
1: what aspects of leadership are changing in that time? I think in many ways that the fundamentals don't change, Mark. You know, it's still the responsibility of leaders to be developing the the, the kind of mission and the vision for their organisations, working on values, setting strategy, working on culture, and so on. So those things don't don't change. I think the challenge, the leadership challenge for digital, is a few elements to it for me. I think one is that, and drawn from some of my own experience, and I would include myself in that. Digital is a language that many senior leaders don't really understand, and to some extent are a little bit frightened of. I think that's changing. You know we've got a new generation of people coming through who are more tech savvy, the so-called Xbox generation. So some of this is transitional. But I think in terms of our healthcare organizations, what we're beginning to see is the creation of new leadership roles in the kind of executive suite, the C-suite as the Americans would call it. So you, you know you're beginning to see the emergence of new roles like chief Digital officers, Chief information officers and so on. But the challenge, I think, for, for, for people like me and other kind of generic leaders is about understanding the language, but more importantly, the impact that digital and technology can have. I think also what we're seeing is recognizing that you know, managing change is always a complex thing, but the processes of managing change in a technology environment, digital environment, are probably somewhat different, and the pace of change is greater. So I think there are some new challenges coming through here. One of the interesting things, I mean, a lot of people talk about the the potential for technology to kind of democratize leadership, and that some of the traditional symbols of leadership like boardrooms, executive suites, and the kind of hierarchies we've got being blown away by digital transformation, flattening out organizations and so on. And that may well be true in some cases, but I think we've still got some sort of tensions there for leaders around the kind of centralization and decentralization pull in organizations? What do we need to do together? For example, running major infrastructure, what can we let people just get on with in terms of service change, developing new apps, and so on? And I think the final point I would add, I think, is that there are real governance challenges emerging for leaders in this particular space. The whole issues around ethics and values become even more important as we trust you know, really sensitive data. If you think about it, health Care data is some of the most sensitive insights into our lives, trusted to organisations, and patients and the public need to be confident in that. So the governance challenge around data is huge. You talked briefly about digital
0: as a kind of paradigm shift, isn't there? A shift towards people working in a much more digital way. And that, of course, is not really fixed. It's, it's going to be continually evolving and changing into the future. Often we come against people who talk about digital as though it's a, it's a very fixed thing. It's one thing or the other. I'm curious of what you think uh, leaders, how they, f- how they foster that kind of culture of experimentation and learning and change
1: within a digital environment. Again, I think the digital environment puts a new, different, you know, different edge on this and a nuance to it. But again, I think some of the fundamentals remain the same. You know, you have to create the conditions for, for learning. These are the basics, you know, giving people space, time and resources to to innovate and permission is really important. And I think, again, for leaders, there's something about role modelling behaviours. If we're trying to foster experimentation and learning, leaders need to be curious and they need to be seen to be curious. They need to be you know, vulnerable to their own gaps in knowledge and open to learning themselves and always looking outward for, you know, for best or better practice, asking good questions. You know, it's not about leaders having all of the answers, but I think also there is something about the deep sort of cultural change in terms of the way we reward and promote experimental work. We don't trash failure. And recognising the point that you were making, I think, that the way digital transformation is happening is through more of an iterative and sort of experimental testing outcomes as we go, agile approach. And I think that is quite different in terms of the sort of processes of change that we've, that we've had to manage through, particularly in, in healthcare, which in, in some ways is quite traditional.
0: And people aren't aren't used to, if you're not in the sector, you're not used to that constant updating, the constant change, and the and minor minor changes, minor updates, that might mean fundamental changes to the final product. It looks like things are, are broken somewhere along. They're not quite right, whereas actually that's part of the process. How do we deal with, do you think, do we deal with those expectations of the rising expectations of employees and customers and, and patients when it comes to digital? That's changing all the time. We're used to a very confident domestic environment around digital but that's not necessarily the same when we when we scale that up to to other sectors
1: no i, I and i think you know the f- the first thing is we have to acknowledge where we are and generally i think in the public sector and in healthcare we are behind other sectors if you look at what's happened in sectors like banking insurance retail travel where we all experience how services and that experience has changed i think with healthcare one of the things we have to always acknowledge is it's not a greenfield site. Um, It's not a startup. We're working with legacy systems and not just digital systems, but legacy processes, which are a real challenge to change. And they take time. So the first thing, I suppose, is about acknowledging where we are. I think there's something about focusing on doing some of the simple things more easily. So again, in a healthcare context, you know, if you ask people what so they want to be able to do more easily. You'll tend to get responses around things like booking appointments, whether that's with a GP or an outpatient appointment, getting advice, seeing a GP or other healthcare professional, getting results quickly, ordering medications, and so on. So there's something about focusing on the simple things that make an, have a big impact on people, but being realistic. Don't overpromise. You know, we have to spend more time at the front end identifying the actual issues that we need to work on with people, you know where tech helps and it doesn't help. We've been talking about digital healthcare record for 20 years, and we're still not fully there, and it's still not fully accessible to patients. So there is something about, as I say, being realistic, paying attention to the basics, making sure that systems that we have work, that they're reliable, they're easy to use, and the simple things. You know, Something as simple as Wi-Fi availability still is a big problem across many kind of healthcare environments. Again, when you talk to this thing about doing things, the simple things, you talk to healthcare clinicians about what would make their life easier. And it's usually things like, can I log on quickly to a system or with a single identifier? Or do I have to wait 10 minutes before the system boots up for me? Can I capture information quickly? Can I order the next steps for the patient quickly? Can I share the data where I, where I need to? And I think the final couple of points I'd make is, in terms of expectations, is one of the things we have to remind ourselves is that public services, healthcare, are universal. We need 100% coverage. So we do have an an emergent issue, I think, here around expectations, which is those people who are the pioneers and who want to run far and fast with the use of technology, we have to balance that against the needs of maybe 20% of our population who aren't digitally enabled don't have access to the right kind of equipment, don't necessarily have the skills or the motivation. So we have a risk of building up new gaps here in terms of access to services and new inequalities. But I guess the final thing for me in terms of managing expectations is telling the story of success, whilst at the same time we acknowledge the kind of shadow to this. It might sound a bit of a daft thing, but in some ways, Part of the experience of the last 18 months with the pandemic is technology has moved even faster than people are prepared to move. And we're seeing a bit of a backlash to that now in terms of the pullback to traditional models of services, for example, face-to-face consultations with a GP, as opposed to something online. But telling the story of success, showing what we can do, how things have changed and how we move on does remain very important. If we just come back to the pandemic then,
0: what are the stories of success during that time around a digital that you could talk about?
1: Oh, I think there've been a number of those, Mark, and and these will be very obvious to people. Firstly, I suppose the big one of the biggest changes has been the online access to healthcare professionals. That's been had to happen. Um, it's something again we talked about for years, and it hadn't happened. There was lots of resistance to that, but we've moved to a situation now pretty much where digital first is the kind of new mantra. As I say, there is a shadow to that. It doesn't suit everybody. It doesn't work in all circumstances. So we will move to a more balanced sort of hybrid model, I think, in future. But that shift to online consulting has been huge. There have been other big changes. Again, something which is not really seen by the general public, but data sharing, the ability for clinicians to access data wherever they're working, so clinicians working remotely from home, like many of the rest of us have had to do over the last 18 months being able to access central systems being able to pull it down radiology images wherever they are those sorts of things but also data sharing between agencies between health and social care some of the the kind of perceived barriers that we've had to that i think have they haven't fallen away completely because the governance problems are complex but we have seen you know fundamental change we've also seen completely new services up and running in unthinkably short periods of time. So the new vaccination and immunization service, which is is UK wide, but Wales has its own version of that. You know, that was set up and running in a matter of weeks. A Brand new service, building on existing systems that we've always had around vaccination and immunization. But as far as we can tell from this point moving forward, that's a new forever service in terms of booster programs uh, and new vaccines as they come on stream every year. So, there's a whole range of things which I think we've seen very, very rapid change, and not least of which for staff. When I was chairing Digital Health and Care Wales for the 11 months I did that, I was only in one physical meeting with the new board. Over 90% of our staff were working remotely at home. We were conducting the whole establishment and the business of the new organisation in a digital environment. And that would have been unthinkable a couple of years ago. So, the pace and scale of change has been huge. Challenge now is what can we sustain? Uh, um, you know, what can we take forward? What's the best that we can take forward and learn from the things that didn't work quite so well?
0: That was actually the next question in terms of how we, how we manage those capabilities and how we keep continuous improvement progressing.
1: Yeah, I think there are a couple of things that, um, you know, I've reflected on over this last year or so. I mean, the first of those is about education. I, you know, I said right at the start that digital is a bit scary for a lot of people. You know, it wasn't even talked about when I started my NHS career 40 odd years ago, and I've had to pick up things along the way. So education is a big part of that. Here at the University of South Wales, I think we play, a, we play a big role here, both in terms of the education of leaders and managers, as we're doing through the, the new Intensive Learning Academy, the education that goes on for technical specialists who will work in the public sector and, and healthcare in very competitive markets. So growing our own is something which is really important. And also upskilling the generic workforce through our undergraduate training programs for nurses and physiotherapists and others. Everybody needs to be digitally literate now for the future. So education is a a critical thing. I think building professional capacity in our organizations, I've touched on that already. So this is new leadership roles like chief digital officers, chief clinical information officers, and so on, who will lead at board level, the process of change through our organizations. But a couple of other things. I think one of the things that surprised me a little bit is this, this whole business about partnering with other organizations. And I think particularly in terms of the big tech giants, if you look at work that goes on now, working with companies like BT, Cisco, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, it's becoming the norm. You know, partnering with those big tech giants is critical. And that's everything from the basic platforms that we use in terms of things like Microsoft Teams and so on to our shift to cloud computing and the use of third-party data centres and so on. And I think the final thing is about building the ecosystem around this. And I think when Welsh Government made the step to set up Digital Health and Care Wales, that was part of what was in the minds of ministers about how do we build digital capability in Wales. It's at the heart of government policy for Wales to be a very tech-savvy country innovation in life sciences and healthcare and so on. And DHCW, Digital Health and Care Wales, was part of that. But there's a whole ecosystem developing. We've got the Wales Centre for Leadership in Digital Public Services. We've got Tech Cymru. We've got the Wales Life Science Hub. There's a whole group of organisations now emerging who are working together in this space to try and bring about transformation and improve benefits to, to citizens in Wales. That's amazing. Thank you. So where does all that head? Where where do you think we'll be in five years from now? Oh, it's a really difficult question, and I think I go back to you know something I said earlier about managing expectations because you know I think I used the example of the digital health record, and we've been working on that for twenty years. So there is a danger of overpromising, and particularly I suppose when we were coming off the back of a period of unprecedented acceleration uh, in terms of change. And that pace of change won't be sustained in quite the same way because we're moving into, in healthcare, we're moving into the kind of post-pandemic consolidation and recovery period. So the attention is shifting slightly, I think. Having said that, I think we are normalising some of the things that we would have thought kind of impossible even, even a couple of years ago, like remote consultations and so on. But looking forward, I think probably the biggest area we'll see is The rapid growth in new patient-facing services, the development of wearables, the watch on your wrist, smartphone, all of those things, an explosion in the number of apps which are available. Some of those will be universal, so like the NHS app, which will allow access to NHS services and eventually, for everybody, access to your own health record and data. But some of that will be very specific to particular situations, such as care at home, smart homes for the, for the elderly and for, and for the vulnerable and so on. Some of it will be de- disease-specific. We see a lot of development in particular areas, for example, chronic disease management, diabetes and so on, where digital technologies are helping people to change, uh, helping people to manage their conditions more effectively. So I think we will see big challenges, actually, to the models of primary care and hospitals that we've got. You know, I go back to my earlier point about you can talk to clinicians anywhere in the world now. To get advice. Um, the big tech companies that I've just outlined, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, they all now see themselves as healthcare companies. Not so much in the UK, where they're still largely involved in infrastructure, but in the States and other parts of the world, these companies are moving into healthcare delivery. So it will bring choice for consumers. And some of that will be a challenge to the kind of tax-funded, centralised model of healthcare delivery that we have in the UK and in Wales, some people will simply vote with their feet. I think the other things that we'll see, which people will will perhaps notice and feel, will be the kind of use of technology in supporting clinicians more effectively. You know, some of that is very high tech. It's like robots in surgery, remote use of uh, remote access to diagnostics and so on. But simple things like, say simple things, voice assistance to clinicians for recording the transactions between a patient and a clinician. Studies that have been done show the disproportionate amount of time it takes to record information in those discussions, a clinician taking notes, staring at a computer screen while they're talking to a patient. The use of voice technology and and voice recognition technology will change that. And I think we do have the opportunity to have technology in the background rather than technology as a barrier between the patient and the clinician. And I think my final point, Mark, would be probably the biggest change will be unseen to most people. And that's about data, because it does go back to the the collection, the curation, the use we make of data, developing interoperability of systems, open platforms that facilitate innovation. But in Wales, we've got a very specific development called the National Data Resource, the NDR, which is about developing the repository of data that we have for research and innovation and making that accessible to people. I think the big challenge around that will be around the governance systems that keep pace with that rather than the technology itself. But the use of data to improve both individual patient care, improve treatments for the future in terms of research and innovation, and also improve population health outcomes, I think will be one of the big things in five years time we're looking back on and saying, wow, you know, we wouldn't have believed that would have happened.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, Bob, thank you so much for your time. That's been a really fascinating oversight on everything that's happening. If you want to hear more of the Change Management podcast, please don't forget to follow. Thanks for listening, and thank you to our guest, Bob Hudson. If you want to find out more about this podcast or business services at USW, visit southwales.ac.uk forward slash business.